fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, this is Sharks Across Hollywood, and this is our second episode of 2022. We're going to talk about Scream from 1996, directed by Wes Craven, of course, the horror maestro. Can we call him that? The Nightmare Weaver, pioneer of terror. Well, God forbid we talk about the movie we watched this week. Well... I suppose we could do that. I called this a cold open, the opening, but technically it's not because it does take place after the title. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, <laughs> that font has not aged well. <laughs> that ju- I, like, I just felt like I was watching a Domino's commercial from 1999. Well, you were watching a movie from 1996. <laughs> I know, but like it hadn't quite hit yet. But then a couple of years later, the Spike TV thing would happen, Ugh. and they used the fuck out of that font. I don't know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched much of that. I didn't watch a ton of it, but I did watch some of it back in the day, mainly for jackoff material because I was like, I was twenty years old in nineteen ninety nine. Twenty years old and married. Yeah, and I so I so I couldn't keep porn in the house because my wife was like complete like that was effectively cheating to her. You know, I mean, honestly. Even jerking off the cable was effectively cheating to her, so I had to lie about it. And the only thing I could do was find some mildly risque cable stuff to jerk off to. You know, I gotta say... Stripperella? Did you get some Stripperella? I did, yes. I am ashamed to say. Gary the Rat or whatever that show was also? I don't remember Gary the Rat. I do remember Stripperella. But, uh, yeah. You know what? I gotta say, there's something to be said for sexual repression as it pertains to heightening the appeal of otherwise mundane things. Heightening the sex appeal of otherwise mundane things. People like Pamela Anderson in animated form. (laughs) Which ordinarily I would find just insipid to the extreme. But uh, yeah, no, I jacked off to that quite a few times. I did not, because I've never been into cartoons. Dude, I used to (laughs) jack off to Tiny Toon Adventures, for fuck's sake. That isn't something you should brag about, but I'm going to leave that in because that's fucked up. And I was 12 years old at the time. Okay, I'm what not the... saying I did it as an adult. What, Babs? Yeah. I'd go for Elmira. Elvira? Elmira? No, it's, I think it's Elmira. Yeah. I fucking don't know. I haven't watched that show in so long. That's a little much. <laughs> as much as I wanted to go back and like watch the Animaniacs, I'm like, this is insane. I can't do it. <laughs> Like, it's too much. You kind of had to be there. Yeah, and I was. And it was fine when I was. You weren't there. That Animaniacs came out in, like, 1991. Yeah, it was in the early 90s. I watched it on, on Nickelodeon. I was there, sort of. You were there for syndication, and that's not nothing. And I, I was there for Freakazoid. That's right, Freakazoid. And Road Rovers. I don't remember Road Rovers. Nobody does. Okay, Scream. We're getting distracted. Drew Barrymore uh, hasn't even picked up a phone yet. Speaking of, Drew Barrymore looks super hot in this scene, and it it distressed me. She does, yeah. Yeah, I I, I like the look. This was was Drew Barrymore at in in one of her hottest performances. This is Drew Barrymore going like, I don't do drugs anymore. In a couple years, I'm going to marry Tom Green. I mean, I, I will always think that Drew Barrymore was the hottest in The Wedding Singer, but I do have to say this was this was definitely the first time I noticed her. What about Poison Ivy? No. No? I, I didn't like anything <laughs> about that movie. That entire movie just bummed me out. And she wasn't Poison Ivy. She was Poison Ivy's, like, assistant or some shit. 
Oh no, not not she was not Mr. Ba- Freeze's. Not Batman Forever. She was in she was in the movie Poison Ivy prior to this. Oh that. Oh fuck. I you know, I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen the original Poison Ivy because I saw Poison Ivy 2 and Jamie Presley is so much hotter than Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I remember my sister brought it home. I, I lived with a with a with a oh, she, my sister's your age actually. So all the stuff that you talk about, I'm like, yeah, I watched that cuz my sister fucking rented it. <laughs> Um, I told you I, I own Poison Ivy 2 on Laserdisc, but only Poison Ivy 2. I really wanted the box set because I watched a video by a Good Bad Flicks on YouTube. Yeah. And he, he's cool. He talks about crappy movies that oh. are also enjoyable. And you talked about that and it made it sound kind of interesting. And Well, I, the third one has like Alyssa that. Milano. I mean, Drew Barrymore, Jamie Presley, Alyssa Milano. Like, that's just a threesome of hotness. There is a an Alyssa Milano joke in this movie. And I think when we get to Scream 2 <laughs> and... The, the movie Stab exists. I think Alyssa Milano does, nope. in fact, play Nev Campbell. No, she doesn't. You're thinking Tori Spelling. Tori Spelling. Not Thank Alyssa you. Milano. Thank you. I just watched Double Dragon, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tori Spelling. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. So she does get a phone call. That's the whole crux of the thing. She gets this fucking phone call, and this guy, you know, he's like, hey, what's up? And it sounds kind of casual at first. And she's just like, hey, um, you got the wrong number guy and then he keeps calling back this is obviously a reference to there's this this whole movie is a movie of references it's one of the first reference movies that i ever saw it certainly popularized the reference genre it's it's a meta movie this movie's good by the way it is i'm I gonna think, i think it holds up pretty well it's very much a product of its time so you have to watch it as <laughs> taking place in 1996 yes. but if you watch it that way yeah holds up well the so as you were saying it's clearly a reference to um when a stranger calls when a stranger calls yes, yes. scary Fucking movie, bad remake, scary remake because it wasn't good. So this dude is essentially, he's, we don't know who it is. He's got that cool voice changer and then they play that little game, you know, what's your favorite scary movie? And she's like, uh, Halloween, you know that movie where the guy runs around and chases babysitters? And I know this was the early 90s. I'm definitely being annoyed by that as somebody... Who lives, who lives in the internet generation where everybody just fucking knows everything. I liked it because this movie was my entry point to horror. Like, this was literally the movie that helped. I had seen The Lost Boys before this. I had seen The Monster Squad. I think I may have seen one. I had seen Tremors, but I had never considered myself a horror fan. In fact, I had been very vocally morally opposed to horror mainly because my parents kind of pushed that idea yes. on me and I didn't realize that until I got some distance from it like I actually thought it was my own thought at the time but as I got distance on it, I was like oh no that was entirely because my oh, parents yeah. I was actually always obsessed with horror I was always obsessed with the horror section of the video store when I was six years old I would have been watching horror movies if I could have but my mom wouldn't let me you know she like <laughs> she instilled this fear of horror movies in me that of course made them objects of obsession consequently i had started getting super into thrillers do you mean horror movies that they didn't want to call horror movies because they weren't it wasn't marketable until this movie came out exactly like (laughs) silence of the lambs i had loved basically any kind of thriller that came out anything i could go to and get away with it not being called a horror movie like it just grabbed me like the fucking really shitty ones from the 90s because there were a hundred of them you know nothing's jumping to mind but you have fear yep fear that was Marky one. Mark and Reese Witherspoon. Poison Ivy is one of those as well. Never saw that one, but yeah, okay. Like, basically, I was getting sucked into that, and then 
my buddy came up to me and my buddy had come over to visit and it was Christmas or it was New Year's. I can't remember if it was Christmas 96 or New Year's 97, but it was like the night of whichever holiday that was. And he was like, you know what I've been getting really into lately? Thrillers. He said that to me and he had <laughs> he had the exact same kind of upbringing I had with the parent, the super, you know, conservative parents who were like horror is bad, blah, blah, blah. And so he was like, you know what movie I, I, I've kind of been wanting to see? scream and i was like me too let's fucking go and we did Here it is. and it changed my life from that moment on i was a horror guy you know what? i don't know if i ever had that that thing like my sister now she doesn't like horror movies they scare her when she was an edgy teenager because she was <laughs> uh, she brought home these fucking movies all the time so th- that's how i laid eyes on this the first time scream and scream too but i watched chucky by myself it just kind of happened to be on one day you know what i was probably the exact same influence on my younger brothers <laughs> because they all kind of became horror fans but it was because they saw my video collection you know because i start i started fucking buying them as soon as i as soon as i could you know i joined the columbia house video club and uh oh, yeah, started there. picking up horror movies you know but i didn't have anybody to be that influence on me i have my oppre- repressive parents i'm not gonna call them oppressive but they were repressive for sure telling me how horror was bad and how it was too scary and it was gonna corrupt me and then i fucking got into it and when i got into it i got into it hard i started watching everything i could get my hands on i went to every horror movie i went to the video store and rented every fucking horror movie they had it gets pretty weird when you don't have anybody to guide you yeah and i didn't really i had my sister bring home like the exorcist and scream and that was basically it you know and then i had to i I, all the everything that i'm into now is either because of you or because i stumbled upon it on accident (laughs) there was a lot of weird shit i stumbled across back in those days like i would basically go to the video store and whatever made me feel like like it was gonna corrupt me that was the one i had to watch that night and it sounds like we're off topic but that is what this movie is really it is a bunch of nerds talking about horror movies for two hours i mean that was one of the first things <laughs> i did is i had to go through and i had to watch everything they talked about in screen if, if i haven't seen it i know about it there are one or two that i still haven't seen just because they're they were impossible to find back in the video store days like the town that dreaded sundown still have never seen it never seen it saw the remake i never saw the remake either but i never saw it because no video store ever had it in stock and then in the post video store era i had already sort of started to define my tastes in horror and i still don't know what i'm actually like into i've pretty good idea of what i'm into i'm into horror in general like i'm just a i'm just a a broad scope fan of the genre as a whole i have i have things i like more than other things but yeah like like the genre the genre is just so fun like there's so much fun to be had and that's the thing it's like it never scares me anymore it just entertains me but if i do find something that scares me oh my god you can bet that i'm gonna tell fucking everybody about it i think that we'll move on here in a minute but I think the Evil Dead remake is actually a scary movie. I agree with you. That movie's fucking terrifying. If any movie's going to scare me, it's that or Sinister. Sinister's almost yep. there. Sin- Sinister fucked with me. I, I've, I've said this on the show before, but I'll say it again. The first time I saw Sinister in the theater, I was glad when it kind of turned shitty at the end. In the last <laughs> third, it kind of it kind of turns to dog shit, and I was relieved because it was so fucking scary up to that point that I didn't know if I could ride it out. So the guy calls back, and they're, they're having a conversation now about, they're just talking about scary movies. Do you have a boyfriend? She's like, no, I don't have a boyfriend because she's a slut. Go after her. I don't think that's true. She's just kind of flirting with the guy, though, and fucking And she's also him. watching this in a post uh, a post Me Too era when when women have started to be more vocal about the harassment that they face on a day-to-day basis 
like you can kind of look at what she's doing and be like, of course she wouldn't give this guy any real information. What kind of fucking idiot would? Like um, as a teenager, I just kind of thought, oh, well, she's just like having fun. But no, like rationally, she's learned to survive in a world with predatory men all around her. Uh, of course she's not going to give him legit information. She she mentions Nightmare on Elm Street and then the guy goes, is that the one with the guy with the knives on his fingers? And she's like, yeah, the first one was good, but the rest sucked. Thanks, Wes Craven. I know. <laughs> That wasn't a fucking had new nightmare come out at this point. Yeah, I think I think it had or it was just about to. That was definitely a dig when he fucking <laughs> Yes, it was. <laughs> which I kind I kind of enjoy. But you know the truth of the matter is that was in the script. Oh before yeah. Before Wes Craven oh, yeah. ever got a hold of it because Oh, well, yeah. Kevin Williamson said about writing it and and, and this movie Also is, it wasn't Wes Craven being a fucking No, no, that was Kevin okay. Williamson because Kevin Williamson said and and I, and I have to stress this movie is the movie that made a screenwriter a celebrity in my lifetime. I'm not saying that never happened before. Obviously it had, but uh, like like for example um Mario Puzo's The Godfather you know, that was a big deal. But this was the first movie of my lifetime where people started talking about the screenwriter. And Kevin Williamson, like, literally became a celebrity as a writer, which was really rare. Like, that is that was so rare in the pop culture world of the 90s. And he said that he deliberately populated it with stuff like that because it's what horror fans had been saying for years, <laughs> but it never got addressed in movies. That was kind of the genius of what Kevin Williamson did, is he took what people had been saying and, like, I had heard heard my whole life ever since i knew there were nightmare on elm street sequels yeah the original is scary but the rest suck and i had never even seen a nightmare on elm street is that actually point. true though because a no. lot of them are considered horror classics at this point maybe i think the sequels are more horror fan centric in that horror fans are much more forgiving of schlock and stuff whereas the original nightmare on elm street is a straight scary movie like it is it is scary freddy is not a quipster he's tiny he, he's tiny got a couple bit, of yeah. lines but it's very very subtle compared to what would like chucky in, in that movies. first movie he's yeah exactly yeah, he's actually scary he's yeah. still scary in the other ones but he get fucking he gets he gets really corny <laughs> yeah. in the later movies yeah. and so does okay. freddy yeah. now i will say i do think nightmare 2 is a legitimately great horror movie too but it's kind of the it's kind of the the redheaded stepchild of the nightmare on elm street series because it's basically a story about being gay and the 80s were not ready to handle that <laughs> they need to get their shit together because i don't know we're going to talk about friday the 13th part two here in a second the first one was one that it was like the exorcist where like the academy could look at it and say no this is a good movie and it's a it's a horror movie like they wouldn't because the Academy were yeah. a bunch of snobs, especially in the 80s. But it is. It's a good movie, and it's a scary movie. The rest of them, not so scary, not so good. You know, she's walking around with the phone, as you do. I fucking pace around the whole goddamn house when I'm on the phone. I hate talking on the phone. So she's talking to him, <laughs> and and he's uh, he's like, what's your name? And she's like, oh, why do you want to know what my name is? And he's like, because I want to know who I'm looking at, which is scary as fuck, by the way. That, that's, this, is, this scene is actually pretty scary. This it movie is. is actually pretty scary, if you think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. And she's it like, had me on the edge of... When I when I was watching it in the theater in 1996, oh, of course, I was gripping my seat armrests like white knuckled, man. So he's, you know, I want to know who I'm looking at. She's like, "What the fuck did you just say?" And he's like, "I want to know who I'm talking to." She's like, "That's not what you said." And then I wrote down, "I want to see what your insides look like," but I can't remember when he says that. But he that's does a little say bit that. later. That that's when he's 
officially in scary mode. Oh, yes. Um, But then, you know, there she's walking around and he's like, we're going to play a little game. I know where you're at. Your boyfriend's, her boyfriend's fucking tied to a patio chair. He's really scaring her at this point. Yeah. And she says, my boyfriend, you better get out of oh, here. Yeah. My boyfriend's going to come and he's going to beat your ass. He's a football player and he's huge and he'll kill you. And His name like, isn't Steve, yeah. is it? <laughs> and that's when. I mean the music and the music. Perfect. This is this is the best cold open, not cold open ever. The tension is just razor sharp. So yeah, the boyfriend's on the patio tied to a chair, and he's like, "I want to play a game, or he dies right now." Who's the killer in Halloween? Is the first question. Well, no, that's a warm up question. That's a warm up question, and then he asks, "Who's the killer in Friday the 13th? Now this is where it gets all a point of contention for people who don't know anything about horror. Well, now here's the thing you have to remember. Okay, we're not doing this scene justice. First of all. No, we're not. The tension in this scene is so well executed. He's ratcheting up the tension with every word he says. He's making it tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And you can just see Drew Barrymore's performance is really masterful. And she is selling it as he winds her up and winds her up and winds her up. Even with that warm up question, he's winding her up and winding her up. And then he's like, if you don't if you don't play my game, I'm going to kill him right now. And And she's just begging him not to begging him not not to force her to do this. And then he he says you're gonna play this or i'm gonna kill him right now she's like please don't and then he says okay then answer my question who was the killer in friday the 13th and she just blurts it out jason 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 and the reason is is because the tension had been ratcheted up so high that she wasn't thinking straight i'm telling you that's the reason it works is because she has been she has been wound up so tight that when he says who's the killer in Friday the 13th, everybody's mind goes to Jason. Mm -hmm. Even if you've seen that first one, when you think Friday the 13th, you think Jason. So if you were in that high tension situation like that, and someone was like, this is life or death, someone you care about is going to literally be murdered right in front of you if you get this wrong, and you're like, I know this one, and it's Jason. It's plausible. It's Jason's mom, god damn it. Yep, but yeah, it's Jason's mom. He's like, he's like, you're wrong. And she's like, what? No, I'm not. I've seen that movie a thousand times. He says it in a very mellow voice. He's just being a nice guy now. Well, no, that's, he... a, that's a joke. I'm fucking, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's like, no, I'm, I'm sorry, honey. You're wrong. It, it's Jason's mom. I'm going to have to kill him. <laughs> Yeah, so he's like he's like yeah so uh, your boyfriend's dead now just because you fucked up she goes back to look at him on the porch and he's gutted and his fucking his guts are literally falling out of his stomach and it's pretty gross that was pretty extreme for me because like i said had not seen an actual you know like horror horror film up to that point so and this is a mainstream horror movie too and yep they this hadn't was a, quite gotten yeah this, this was, way yet this was a major release this was a big a, a big wide release they were they were shooting for the moon with this one they were promoing the hell out of it on tv and like it is fucking gory for that time and what was acceptable in mainstream release and the point that i was i guess i guess i'll make that point here the kills in this movie are harsh one of them is really stupid the other ones are all fucking (laughs) pretty grounded in some kind of reality are you talking about the garage door? Yes, I yeah. am. <laughs> that one's fr- but you know what? It's really effective. And it, that's the only time I'm like, that's his Friday the 13th one. That's what that is. That That, that is a Jason kill Absolutely. if I ever saw one. Absolutely. Um, so now the next question, he's like, you know, your, your boyfriend's dead. So you can still save yourself. What door am I at? Which, fuck. That's 
fucking terrifying. Um, <laughs> and then a chair, a chair comes flying through the fucking well, pe- back door. Now this is after she says, "Back window." I can't answer that. You know, like she, oh, ba- yeah. I can't remember exactly how she words it, but she's like, "No, no, I'm not going to play this anymore." And so then he just throws a chair through the rear window. Hey, rear window. <laughs> Which my son got me for Christmas. Oh, cool. He got me the 4K, which I had been eyeballing for a while. I got the Street Fighter Blu-ray. Nice. I picked that one up myself. Which is pretty gorgeous. <laughs> which says all you need to know about the kind of movies that I'm actually into these days. <laughs> we're, we're just not even pretending. I don't. I just. I have no interest in prestige cinema overall. Not. I don't want to watch a movie just because it won a bunch of awards. So fuck off, everybody. When the chair comes flying through the fucking window, she runs and she grabs a knife. The killer pops up, kind of for like a quick scare behind her as she goes out the front door. Speaking of which, spe- speaking of the knife, I'm I'm backtracking just a little bit. But did you get the impression? And I only got it this time. Again, you know, she's giving this. She's feeding this guy bullshit answers. Right. 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 So when he asks what her favorite horror movie is, she looks over at the at the butcher block and sees the knife and says, Halloween. And then she pulls the knife out. She's like, you know, the one with the guy who kills babysitters. Like she's just it's the first time I realized she's it. just kind of making shit up. She's as just she goes. making it yeah. up. She saw the knife with the with the butcher knife or the the block with the butcher knife in it, and that's iconic Michael Myers. So she was just like Halloween. It's it's really interesting to me because again, I would never have picked up on that except that we're now in this era where women are being more vocal about the abuse they've had to suffer, you know, and, and how ubiquitous it is. Like literally every woman in the world is dealing with this shit. And it had never occurred to me when I was a 19 year old kid, or I guess I was 17 when I saw this, you know, when I was a 17 year old kid, that had never occurred to me. I just thought, you know, everybody went through life like I did. You know, I was so up my own ass. And nowadays I've got a little perspective. I'm like, oh, and of course she's feeding this guy bullshit. It's interesting to watch it all these years later because you see, you see new layers to it and it still holds up. That's the thing. It's like, it still holds up. The writing and the directing and the acting. Yeah, the absence of like modern technology in this movie doesn't hurt it at all. Like it's not weird. No. You know, it's it's pretty timeless in that way. Like even some of the outfits are pretty nineties, but like I could see a lot of you know, it's it's that kind of thing. The, what dates a lot of movies is the fucking clothes. The They're, clothes are very nineties. They are, but it's not like so nineties. Like that... even Drew Barrymore's outfit in that initial scene. Like it, but it's really, it's just jeans 90s. and a fucking shirt. Yeah, but it's, I don't know, the cut on him is very 90s. That bob haircut and everything, I mean, everything. It's, it, it's coming back, man. It's the 30, it is. It's that 30-year rule. It's My right. daughter actually did a very similar haircut. There you go. See, it's happening. It's happening again. She, so as she's out on the driveway, she sees there's a car coming up the driveway. Keep in mind, she's a teenager, even though she's 25. She thinks she'll kind of wait on the porch until they get there, but... You can't do that because well, it's it, it's her parents. Yeah, we know it's her parents. They obviously live out in the middle of nowhere. He even makes a reference to it when she says, I'm going to call the police. It'll he take says, forever. Yeah, they'll never make it in time. We're in the middle of nowhere. And and when they do like the wide shot, you can see that it's all like it's a fucking cornfield. Ghostface breaks through the window and fucking grabs her. But she manages to, to escape a little bit. She takes off, but he catches her. He's choking her and he stabs her. And I think like her windpipe or something, because she's her, once her parents do get to the door. No, she, he's he stabs her in the the shoulder then she's on the ground and he starts choking is, her oh, is that why she can't and that's talk? what it is yeah he's choking her okay. and and all this time like like just at the edge of her vision her parents are getting out of the car and walking yeah. up to the house but they're like in the shadows at the side of the house and she does she does manage to get up after she kicks him in the balls but she can't talk because yeah she's like you know. Um, then he catches her again. He's, she's on the floor and a nice shot of her like just managing to like pull the mask off just as he stabs her, which is cool. 
and yeah. the, and there's that very very Hitchcockian knife in the knife in the air dropping down. You know, like 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 it really like shudders there for a moment, like his his rage is just building up, and then stab. It's Billy. Spoiler alert! God damn it! <laughs> As, oh, she's being dragged away. By the way, she's being dragged on the ground by this guy, and this is a kind of scary moment too. The mom picks up the phone because she's well, like, they see. Yeah, they go what, in and they yeah, see the mess. They see them. They see everything that all the shit that happened. She picks up the phone, but she can hear her daughter on the phone. She can kind of hear her, like breathing and struggling, and and she identifies it, and she's like. Oh my What's god. What's her name? Casey? Casey, yes. Casey, baby. That's fucked up. Yeah. And then the dad's like, you need to go to the McKenzie's, which is apparently where Jamie Lee Curtis told the kids she was babysitting in Halloween to go. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not catch that one. But then just as the mom walks outside, what does she see? Her daughter hanging by the fucking tree with her guts spilling out. And it's really well done too, because the mom steps outside and and it's a shot on the front door from, you know, the yard. It's a shot on the front door of the mom turning around, seeing it, and screaming, and then falling down to her knees as the father comes out behind her. And then they That's reverse good. the shot, and there's Drew Barrymore hanging, disemboweled. And then that from cool, the, tree. the cool old school like quick zoom into yeah. her. Whew. And then we cut to we Nev cut. Campbell in her ninety. Uh, yeah, Nev Campbell. Sydney is a good final girl. Yes, I will. And that's why they keep making enduring these. final girl. Yeah, she's actually been the final girl in all in every of the one. movies. You know what she kind of looks like though? This is kind of mean. In this, in this specific shot, her mouth is kind of pointy. She looks like that female Rue from Warriors of Virtue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not on board with that at all. <laughs> she's super cute though. I think she's very attractive. She really is still to this day. She's looking <laughs> yeah. good. Nev, Nev um, Campbell's a very beautiful woman. So Billy. Sneaks Billy Loomis, by the way, which is a reference to Psycho or Halloween, whichever one you want to fucking. Well, I I think it's a combination. I don't know. I looked. It's Billy not. from Black Christmas. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yep. Thank you. And Doctor Loomis from. So like it, it's a it's a little indicator there that he is the killer from the very beginning because his name is Billy. Billy. I was trying. I knew Billy had to come from somewhere, but that is probably exactly where it comes from. Yes. And Loomis is the name of the. Oh, the 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 Psycho the, connection is pretty big in the beginning too because yeah. they take a super famous person and kill her off in the first 10 minutes which one's loomis in that is it uh loomis is it the guy she's dating yes yeah, yeah. okay the guy that uh, janet lee Jamie janet lee, lee curtis's yes. mom what a swerve drew barrymore is was like a super huge actress and they're just like fuck it do it yep killer taking a page right out of the hitchcock book and it worked oh it fucking worked so billy sneaks into her window and i always i always expect to see a ladder because every time you see this on a sitcom they're always on the second floor <laughs> yeah but she's not she's on she's the first not, she's on the first floor it's really weird or you know because in in the later part of the movie they show the outside of her house and she has like a deck running around the second floor like it's an elevated deck so it might be that like the deck just wraps around i just saw him not climb down a ladder and not fall to his death from a fucking window yeah he just he just like hops out when it's when it's over so the dad comes in you know billy has to hide because he's sneaking into a young girl's room keep in mind she's like 16 17 years old at this point even though she is 23 they did not they do really well at casting older people who look like teenagers now well i think i think that she was supposed to be 18 because doesn't scream 2 take place like one or two years later and she's already out on her own she is in college in scream 2 yeah that's right so i think She's supposed to be like 17 or 18. Yeah, okay. Still, they're better at casting teenagers now. Like a lot well, better. Yeah. Well, and there are better young actors now, which is probably a bad thing now that I think about it because of the way Hollywood treats youth. But yeah. there are better young actors now. <laughs> Just look at Timothy Chalamet. That guy's like that guy's like 12? already on like Tom Hardy level and he, he's what is he? 
19. Yeah, he's a really young guy. I love Tom Hardy, man. I love Tom Hardy, too. And I love <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. The kid's a crazy good actor. So this is also the f- a first indicator of Billy not being quite right in the head. Uh, he says that he was bored watching The Exorcist on cable because they cut out all the good stuff. <laughs> well, he's, he says that it's such a beautiful, like, well-written and so appropriate to the way a teenage boy... Th- now, no teenage boy would ever articulate it this well. But it was so right for how teenage boys think. He he says, I was watching The Exorcist and it got me thinking of you. And she's like, what? Offended as <laughs> rightly she should be. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why? And then he explains, well, because oh, right, right. it was edited for TV. So all the good stuff was taken out. And that's kind of like, I feel like what's happening to us is we started off hot and heavy. Hot and heavy. Says. Solid R rating on our way to an NC-17. But lately we're just kind of edited for television as the story progresses you realize what a fucking douchebag he is but it's very true to teenage boyfriends teenage boyfriends are fucking douchebags i don't care how good a guy you are if you're a teenage guy you're a fucking douchebag you just are (laughs) oh i was there your biology is making you a douchebag millions of years of evolution have programmed teenage douchebaggery into you you're just built that way accept it and admit it and own what you are and then we can start to improve she kind of she like half-heartedly apologized she doesn't really apologize his response is i thought we could just do some you know over the clothes stuff she does that thing again watching it in the yes i know yeah i'm I'm thinking that i'm like "Eh." yeah she she's she's apologizing for shit she shouldn't be apologizing for because that's what culture tells her that she's supposed to do yeah oh and her dad's going out of town by the way that is actually quite important yes yeah that that comes up when dad hears her oh which actually he hears her dad hears her scream as soon as billy shows up yeah because he pops into the scene like a fucking killer again that's your first indication that he's the bad guy so they really are painting the picture it's not subtle really If I had had any horror background exactly, in me, I would have seen it. This can't around. happen now. This is the, the only reason this worked and people weren't like immediately like him uh, is because it was 1996. Yeah, and also because this was this movie was done as an entry point into horror for kids. Like it really was, and yeah. and it worked. It absolutely worked. It got me. It got a whole generation of people into horror, <laughs> and, it, and it spawned a bunch of shitty fucking copycats. I mean, Tom Savini made a really good point. I heard him talking about the effect of Scream shortly thereafter. I would say it was in 90, late 97. Yeah, it was in like mid to late 97 I heard him talking about it. He said, the problem with Scream is that you have all these kids seeing Scream as their first horror movie and then they think that's what horror is. But that's not what horror is. That's what a part of horror is. Yep. It gets way weirder than this, kids. Yeah, so if you so if you go into horror as a whole expecting it all to be like that, you're in for some disappointment. You know, he tries to get up her get up her get up down. Up her nighty, down her pants. Whatever. Yeah, they're they're making out and he definitely starts he definitely starts going for it and she's like, Okay, Tiger, she's like, let's uh She's like, It's time to go. So he's yeah. just about ready to leave. He's like, I'm not trying to rush you into sex stuff and I was half joking, he says. Yeah, I was half serious. Meaning, nice dodge. Meaning no matter which answer, you were just gonna be like quote unquote okay with it. Um, <laughs> so he he's ready to climb out the window and he's waiting there and she's like, Would you settle for a PG thirteen relationship? And he's like, It's that she just like shows him her boobs. And then he's like, You're a tease. But it was it was in a joking way, kind of. In retrospect, Billy is a sociopath 
and he plays it to perfection. Skeet Ulrich does a really good job in this movie, and I can't believe we're talking about a guy named Skeet. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Skeet, Skeet. There we go. Got that out of the way. <laughs> but he really does play it to perfection because, remember, he's a, he's a psychopath, and he uh, he's manipulating her. That's what he's doing in this scene. He's not being honest with her. He's, he doesn't really care about her. He has literally been planning on murdering her for a year at this point. He and also he, played he also played the asshole bully guy in fucking The Craft, too. Yeah, but he wasn't playing a psychopath in no, that No, he was one. just an asshole. He was just an asshole, exactly. Yeah, he kind of, he kind of had like a one-two horror movie, like like baby's first horror movie yeah, set nice. there. You know, like, like The Craft. If, if you watched The Craft and then watched Scream, it's like, all right, now you're on your way to horror. Oh, that's actually a perfect double feature. Yeah. Dev Campbell and Skeet Ulrich are yep. in both of them. It really is. I mean, that, and I like you know it. what? I had... I had seen The Craft because I had the hugest fucking crush on Fruza Balk. Guess how I saw The Craft? My sister brought it home. Of course she did. Of <laughs> fucking course she did. Everybody's sister brought that movie home. Yeah. And now, sure. and now I've brought it home twice. Yep. <laughs> oh, I you got like the it. new one too, didn't you? Yeah. The artwork on that's fucking cool. I'll have to check that out. I haven't I haven't watched it. Oh no, no, I don't. And, yeah, and yes, the Shout Factory cover of Oh no, I don't have I don't I don't have the new one. I'm oh, not did. really interested. I I have Oh, you have you're uh, talking two about two copies the Shout of Factory. the same one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that Shout Factory slip sleeve is fucking sweet so the next day school reporters and cops everywhere because i wrote down apparently drew barrymore's in high school <laughs> um, so we also okay, okay we're, we're we're suspending disbelief <laughs> yeah uh, they're all in their 20s that's what high schoolers looked like in the 90s it's fine it, it is i i At had least to, tv high school i had to explain that to my kids because when they do the and i and i got the 4k of scream by the yeah, way me too I have that. and uh when they do those close-ups you can see the lines in around Nev Campbell's eyes, and it's like, yeah, she's no high schooler. No. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Um, we also meet Tatum, played God. by Rose McGowan, who I'm not really attracted to these days, but later on she's in this outfit, that those t- super tight red <laughs> pants and that fucking belly shirt. I'm like, I like that. Rose McGowan at her absolute hottest and later on (laughs) yeah right before she dies right before she dies that yep uh she pulls a drew barrymore or uh kirsten dunst from the last episode of course so sydney every the cops are there to interview everybody things never change no can't uh the cops are there to interview everybody because they're not sure it might be school related they just kind of want to know rule that actually is the one thing where i'm kind of like as an adult i'm looking at this going why the fuck would the cops be poking around the school they would be looking at the house maybe they would be looking at the house they would be looking at phone records they would definitely be looking at the parents and ex-boyfriends like Stu. they would they would 100 be looking at Stu. but like the whole they're not going to question everybody in school over this no that doesn't really make sense but drama we need to we need to know that sid and dewey are friends and shit i get it it doesn't <laughs> take me out of the movie it's just like it's just one of the very few moments where i'm like yeah, you can tell Williamson was in his 20s when he wrote this. And we need to set up that the principal is sort of creepy, so he might be the killer later. <laughs> I love... This was the first time I had ever seen Henry Winkler outside of Happy Days. Waterboy. That's the first time I ever saw him in anything that oh, wasn't shit, that, Happy no, Days. I saw the Waterboy after Waterboy came this. out after this. Yeah. But yeah. Because I obviously didn't watch this when it came out. Like I just saw bits of it because my sister... I saw it in the theater, but 
Yeah, I had never seen Henry Winkler outside Happy Days. And then right after she gets interviewed, we we cut to the whole gang. The whole gang, I say. They're talking about the interviews. So the only one left over that we have. Oh, there's two that we left over that we haven't met yet. Randy and Stu. Stu, of course, played by Matthew Lillard, who's fucking great. I love Matthew Lillard so much. And this is easily one of his best performances. Not his best. His best performance has still got to be SLC. Oh, absolutely. But But I, I love how, like... All his weird mannerisms and stuff, they fit perfectly fine with this character. That makes yeah. total sense that he's just kind of like this. Yeah, he's he's very he's the casting in this movie is just top drawer. He's very Nicholas Cagey, though, in his acting ability, because we all yeah. know Nicholas Cage can act, and but we all know he's also a fucking weirdo. It's important to remember that Nicholas Cage, when he's acting, he has deliberately decided and he said that Nicholas Cage apparently has said this in interviews. He said he's decided he does not want to do realism. He doesn't want to do natural, naturalistic acting. He he did that for leaving Las Vegas, and it won him his Academy Award. Well, he doesn't need to. I understand. I understand what he's doing. And yeah. And so it's like the things Nicholas Cage does are extremely intentional. And I think that's the same thing with Matthew Lillard in this. If you watch that, what Lillard is doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not just spazzing out on, which is, I guess, a very non-PC way to say it now that I think about it. But, <laughs> that's what he's doing. That's, but yeah, I mean, that's I'm, like I'm a child doing. of the 90s, so please, I, I do apologize to any of our listeners. But he's not just freaking out on screen. You know, like he's not just being a weirdo because, you know, like he, he's just got that energy. He comes off that way. But that's because that's what the character does. No, and that that's one of those things where I I, I thought back in the day, I'm like, uh, is he really that good of an actor? Then you see him do some stuff. I didn't see SLC Punk until way later, and I'm like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, see, I thought I thought he was just cast because that's the guy he is. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's some of that, but the fact of the matter is, looking at it now, you can see that he was intentional about what he was doing. Yeah, I saw him in SLC Punk. There was a show, fuck, I can never, there's a show on Netflix or something that he's in where he plays, like, he plays an a guy in an office somebody's husband i'm like that is the last fucking thing i would ever think of matthew lillard doing i'm like he was fucking great he's just one of those guys that could just do stuff yeah he can be weird if he wants to but he doesn't yeah. have to be he played a great shaggy like a really great oh, he was great as i couldn't think of anybody better honestly it's funny to think that like for my kids generation he is shaggy yeah that is like, weird. they don't it? think of the K- tv no casey Kasem for them yeah they don't think of casey Kasem. <laughs> they think of matthew lillard um, by the way, the gang is talking about the interviews and they're trying to discuss which one of them is probably the killer. And it doesn't get it does not get any more fucking obvious right now who the actual killers are, because Stu, <laughs> Stu and Billy are like sitting with their girlfriends, you know, they're talking. He's like, I didn't kill anybody, man. And Billy looks at him and goes, nobody said you did. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, my God. It's one of those things where and again, you know, watching this as a horror noob and in its day i felt like it was really well done because if you haven't seen it it's like two guys who have an adversarial relationship which they really do they have an adversarial relationship sniping at each other but just because they're being kind of shitty to each other as high school guys are but then you go back and you watch it knowing what's happening and you see it's two guys one of whom (laughs) is about to blow is risking blowing their cover and the other whom is like shut the fuck up (laughs) the whole movie too (laughs) And also, and oh, I, I, I don't want to skip over Jamie Kennedy in the one role in his life that I think he was made to play. No, he was better in The Mask or Malibu's Most Wanted. 
No. Okay. All right. You know what? Malibu's Most Wanted, he actually was made to play that I one. never saw it. I just, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he wrote that one, too. Oh, that would make sense, actually. But yeah, so he... Not and then, a good movie. Then but... they make that liver reference. What is that a reference to? Did you put the liver in the mailbox? Well, he's doing Jerry Lewis, okay. which is weird, because the only liver thing I had known up to that point was Hannibal Lecter, and I honestly yeah. still don't know if that's an actual Jerry Lewis reference or if he's just doing Jerry Lewis. Uh, initially for this episode, I was going to look up all the references, but uh, I forgot. Yeah, that particular so. <laughs> one has always missed me. So that, that that's actually a really good scene. I really I really like it. And oh, they ask Randy, he's like, well, they're like, where, where were you last night? Huh? 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 And he's like, I was at the video store. And they're like, didn't they fire you? And he's like, twice. <laughs> and he gives that Jamie Kennedy smile that only Jamie Kennedy has. That oh, looks you know what his second like best Nicholson in Batman. You know what his second best role is? Huh. The guy peeing on the bush and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I haven't watched that in so long. Although I did watch Harold and Kumar Christmas. Is this your special bush? <laughs> I haven't seen that in forever. I love that part. That's probably my favorite part of the movie. So Sid now is going to stay at Tatum's house because her dad's out of town. And she's kind of freaked out, obviously, with all the murders because... As you would be. We learn that Sid's mom got murdered uh, about a year ago. And we learned that through the TV. You know, back when we were children in the 90s we turned on the tv and whatever was on was on so she's flipping through the channels and there's just news on her three channels that's something you have to explain to kids these days and i wrote down boo no cartoons tatum's supposed to pick her up after cheer practice it runs long apparently because sydney falls asleep and then of course she gets a phone call and it's like had that cool voice you know hello sydney and then she's like Randy, what the fuck? She she automatically assumes it's Randy because he makes some comment about a horror movie. Well, it should be noted that Randy was Randy is the voice of horror and nerddom. Yeah, he is. He movie. yeah, he works the like video he, store. He's the one who knows everything about. And he all was stuff. established in that very first introductory scene when it was all five of them hanging out together. He's introduced as the movie nerd. And he'll say later that if this was a, if this was a movie, I'd be the number one suspect. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're not the number one suspect at all. Don't worry. It's like it's it's definitely Stu and Billy, but it could potentially be the principal in a scene later. We'll no, he's there. definitely the red herring suspect, though. He's the suspect for us horror noobs. Yeah, it's like and the dad. The dad is also super obvious. You know who it really is? It's Tatum because she's jealous because Stu likes Nev Campbell's character. And <laughs> Yeah. Stu has so obviously got a thing for her. Every guy does in this. Apparently That's Randy true. does. Fucking oh, Stu. Yeah, Randy Stu even hard. says it later. I always had a thing for you, Sid, right before she fucking kills him with the TV. Yep. <laughs> I gotta say, I really like Rose McGowan as like the most cynical, snarky cheerleader ever. <laughs> like she she's a goth cheerleader, basically. That's part of Rose McGowan's appeal. Like she's hot enough to be the cheerleader, but cynical enough to be the goth. Yeah, she's actually pretty cute in this movie. There's a scene where they're in there at Tatum's house and she's like talking about how Sydney punched the punched the reporter and boom, Sid, bitch goes down. <laughs> Boom, Sid, super bitch. <laughs> Sydney hates scary movies because they're all predictable, and it's insulting because the girl always runs upstairs, which she ends up doing. When she should be going out the front door. Except maybe not. I don't know. Is there a right answer? Because you're going to die anyways, probably. That's kind of what's brilliant about this is it gives you the stupid horror cliche and then does the stupid horror cliche <laughs> masterfully. Uh, like two seconds, actually, because guess what? The killer's in the fucking house. I know yep. we're skipping over a couple beats <laughs> there. But yeah, so we have to have a little chase scene and we do. It's definitely Stu because she's on she's on the phone with one of those assholes. And no, then, no, it's not Stu because Stu was with Tatum all night. That was the other. That was oh, the, no. That yeah, was that Casey. Was the that was the Casey that, no, yeah, that was the previous night. Fuck, you're right. It was definitely Billy definitely killed Casey and her boyfriend. Yeah. 
100%. Because you said you, when you mentioned that ragey stabbing motion, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely Billy. So yeah, she does end up Stu, running. Stu would, I think Stu takes a lot of glee in what he does. And he's Billy, kind of, yeah. Billy is just a fucking Serious. rage machine. Yeah. Who is Stu a reference to, I wonder? I'm sure it's got to be something. Yeah, this movie's full of references. So like it's, it's, it's chalk to the brim full. Oh, and Sydney is definitely on the second floor. Because she does run upstairs, and it has to be Stu, because when her dad came in when Billy was in the window, uh, she locked the door with her closet door, so Billy would have known that. Yes. And wouldn't have tried to even get in the fucking door. So or, he would have, or he would have just, like, let his hand in and then kind of slipped it loose. Yeah. Because he knew what was doing it. But Stu, the door's just fucking jammed. He can't see shit from the other side of the door. And she's call, she calls the cops on her computer because the phone lines are cut. And there's something. no way, when Billy pops into the window, it's too fast after the killer disappears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. it's immediate. He's not magic. There's no magic here. So I think I think both of them were, both of them were playing killer. Oh, yeah, yeah, they were, that's, yeah. that's the idea. One yeah. of them's on the phone, the other one's Exactly, and they the were thing. bouncing back and forth off of each other, but then Stu was the one who came in, and then Billy came to the window yeah. once it was obvious that the, you know, the plan had gone sideways. But they didn't plan to kill her that night anyway. Nope, they planned nope. to kill her the following day. They wanted, I think they did this on purpose. Yeah. They wanted they Billy wanted to, to come and her. fucking scare him away, quote yeah. unquote. But Billy does pop in the window. He jumps in, jumps in, gives her a hug, drops a cell phone, ooh, because fucking duh um when he drops the cell phone she's like um i'm gonna get the fuck out of here because i was just talking to some crazy asshole on the phone and she runs outside opens she runs downstairs opens the door to see ghost face right in her face and it turns out it's deputy dewey played by david arquette <laughs> and she screams then he screams david arquette in one of his best roles ever david arquette is another one of those guys who was a really good actor but just kind of got typecast as a goofy idiot in all the well, movies i think what's interesting about this three notwithstanding because in three Three, all the characters were written ridiculously bad. Kevin Williamson's absence was felt. I've said that before. I'll say it again. That one notwithstanding, watching Dewey's de-evolution from this sort of optimistic, aw shucks character to the hardened, nihilistic person that he becomes in four and and it looks like five too. Well, what what do you think would happen? Like that's that yeah. makes sense, right? It, it's an interesting transition to watch, and and it's a testament to David Arquette's charm and uh, and skill as an actor. I like David Arquette, and I'm I'm glad he met what's her butt on this movie. Yeah, that's really sweet. Even though they're divorced now, they still have a. They it, seem like they actually have a decent relationship. Yeah, still. I don't know. That's inevitable, but yeah, it looks like it looks like they have a really healthy post-divorce relationship. I mean, granted, the documentary was curated. I'm sure you know, a like little, Ar- yeah. Arquette's not going to be like, oh yeah, just show all the worst parts. I'm sure it will. I'm sure their relationship isn't perfect. They got divorced yeah. for a reason. Yeah, I mean they they're not still married. <laughs> yeah, but they also have kids together, and you know that's that's part of being an adult. You don't have to be married to yeah. co-parent. I wrote down the next one was stupid reporters because Gail just fucking shows up all the time like a dumb bitch. Gail is definitely the asshole in this movie, but but she she turns around like she starts off as the asshole and then has this redemption arc. Well, I mean she's she's the she's, one who shoots Billy at the end. She's still a reporter though. Yeah, still has a job to do. Um, so we're at the police station and it. Turns out her dad is not registered at any hotel. Sydney's dad isn't registered at the hotel that he said he was at, and they couldn't find him. So there's there's another red herring for you. Yep. And and a bunch of stuff happens. You know, uh, Billy's dad is there, and why do you have the cell phone? All that shit. And you know they're checking the phone records. Everybody's got them these days, Sheriff. No, they don't. What the well, fuck are you talking about? It, it was a thing that was on a ri- on the rise in a big way. I remember around that time, like seeing. You know, you'd see like little editorial jokes in the newspaper about how cell phones. I I remember seeing one where there was this bum on a cell phone (laughs) 
and it was like you know i think cell phones it was you know these two guys walking by this bum on a cell phone they were like you know i think cell phones are stu- starting to lose their snob appeal <laughs> because the homeless guy has them ah, and it was from funny. right during that era I didn't see my first cell phone until well, I'm also from fucking Great Falls, Montana. So, yeah, you weren't exactly on the bleeding edge of technology there. <laughs> Sid and Dewey and uh, Tatum all leave the police station. Gail is right outside, right on cue, trying to talk to Sydney. And Tatum's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and Sydney, being the badass that she is, walks up to her and, be, and goes like, how's the book? Because Gail's writing a book about the stuff that happened with her mom and all the quote-unquote bullshit theories because there's a which turn out to be entirely true which turn out to be <laughs> entirely true uh so she gives gail a good punch in the face no no, no i oh, i don't want to no, i don't no, want to rob the don't undercut this, this yes yes go after it she says how's the book and gail says it'll be out next month and sydney like on the verge of tears very clearly like upset by this says oh i'll look for it and Gail says so fucking condescendingly, I'll send you a copy. Uh, and Sydney lays her out. It's gore. It's beautiful. So now now we're back at Tatum's place, and this is when she's in pajamas looking all cute, talking about Sid the super bitch punching Gail. Sid good supportive get, friend. Very supportive friend. She's a good friend. It's kind of sad. Sydney gets a phone call, and it's not her dad. It's the killer. Of course it is. Natural. And Billy's in jail. And Billy's in jail. So it's definitely Stu because who else would have Tatum's phone number? Billy wouldn't, probably. School the next day, Dewey drops her off and he's like, it's school. You'll be safe here. And I wrote pre-Columbine because... Yeah, about two and a half years still calling. Uh, because I dread every day the kids go to school. Even in Spokane, shit happens and it's fucked up. Have we had grade school shootings? Not in grade school, this? not in Washington. Yeah, okay. But Sandy Hook was a thing, and that, that was, was that a grade ele- school. That was an elementary school. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, Sandy Hook didn't happen. I'm sorry. But but Sandy Hook <laughs> wasn't done by a student, right? No. Sandy Hook was done by an outsider. Yes. Okay. So it, it, so it could like, happen. I mean, that's fucked up. Don't get me wrong. It, I'm not saying it's not just as fucked up. It's just, you know, the student ones are the by far the scariest for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, things. nothing's been safe since 1999, everybody. We, we've been fucked since then. I've said it a thousand times. The only people who learned anything from Columbine were the were school shooters. I learned how to hide under a fucking desk. I saw bulletproof backpack inserts and I was like, I need to get one of those for my kid. I, like, you know it what? is so fucked up to have that thought. I don't yeah, that that's upsetting. Like I saw it as a <laughs> as a sarcastic, hey, this is the fucked up world we live in thing, and I actually was like, Yeah, that is fucked up. But I'm a parent. I should probably see about getting one of those for my son. Let's let's move on to happier days when people could just kill people with knives instead. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like the old fashioned way. Yeah. As no God shit. intended. So obviously, because word got around that Sydney met the killer the night before cops and the fucking reporters are there again. And this is where we learn that the guy who Sid says killed her mom, Gail, is entirely sure was wrongly convicted. Courtney Cox is really, really good in this movie because she's she's that condescending asshole when she needs to be. And yet then there's a scene like this where she's clearly she really believes what she's saying. And then she goes right back to condescending asshole when it serves her purpose. Like 30 seconds later, she's like, I could save a man's life. Do you know what that would do for my book sales? Yeah, she's really mean to the camera guy, too, because he's kind of fat. She's like, move your fat tub alert ass and shit. By the way, the camera guy who has appeared on this show before. Has he? Knights of Badassdom. He was the paintball leader. (laughs) 
I knew he looked familiar. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, we also learned that Sydney's mom. Well, it's suggested that Sydney's mom was a little promiscuous. We'll circle back to that a little later. I, th- I think this is this is where we first broached the subject yes. that her mom got around. But this is we're about to we're about to come up on the scene where it suggests that the principal may might have killed some kids. Some asshole kids end up running down the hall in ghost face costumes. By the way, you could get these at every five and five a dime in the state. So this is kind of an interesting costume choice. So says Deputy Dewey Boy. And they're running around f- just fucking with kids because in poor taste, by the way, the principal was completely oh, justified oh. to fuck these kids. And so they, they get pulled into the principal's office and, <laughs> and he's like really he's got scissors and he's like. He looks like oh, he's man. and they and they really emphasize the the snapping sounds of the scissors. Like every time he every time he clacks those scissors together, they that uh, it the sound effect is just sharp and right in the foreground. And we we love Henry Winkler. We you gotta and he's really he's really good in this scene. Like he doesn't ham it up because Henry Winkler can be very hammy time to time. I've seen it. Click isn't a very good movie, but he's good in it. But he plays it really straight, yeah. and he's he's really good. So yeah, he, he and he he's just like I. Did he say something about gutting all you fucking desensitized little shits or something? <laughs> well, he ta- yeah, he talks about like what cynical desensitized little shits you all are. And then he's like, you're expelled. Get out. And then the guys are like, expelled? That's not fair. And he's like, you know what? You're right. That's not fair. Fair would be me. Would be yeah. for me to slice you open and hang your guts out just like to show everybody how hollow you are inside and like, he's <laughs> fucked up like man. he goes over the fucking edge all the while snapping those scissors <laughs> right in their fucking faces and i'm like yeah good for you man i was gonna say in fairness fuck those kids he, he might he might have been he might have been a little harsh but fuck him yeah. uh, he was definitely he was definitely crossing the line as a principal but he was 100 percent he was 100 percent the voice of the audience back I, I guarantee back when you watched this you were like "Ooh, that's mean why leave these kids alone and now you're like no yeah. you guys are assholes no Get yeah the fuck I, out. Like, I even remember having a thought like jesus they're just they're just kids playing a prank <laughs> That is in you know, poor it's, taste. It's just the boys will be boys thing. You know? Ew. That's the attitude. It, I understand. I know. Yeah. I'm, I grew, I grew, glad I grew I've up grown in that, beyond yeah, that. I grew up in that attitude as well, and I'm learning a lot of new things. <laughs> and I am very sorry that I used to hold that attitude. Also, Billy is in the school, so when she's kind of freaking out a little bit, she runs into Billy, and he's like, well, you don't think I still I murdered them or I killed anybody, do you? And she's like, no, not really. I guess because he's fucking gaslighting her the whole way. Now this is an interesting scene that's coming up. Oh, and then then yeah, are you going to talk about where he's like, you know, it's been a year, you should just get over it. No, I'm I wasn't I wasn't going to talk about that scene. Although that scene, the immediately previous scene where Stu and Tatum and her are talking and then right before the guys run in yeah, with the, yeah. And then and then she runs into Billy and then she has the conversation with Billy. Now, now we can go over the conversation. Like I can come around. But what happens immediately after that is she's upset because of the conversation with Billy, as rightly she should be. She runs down the hallway and immediately into the bathroom. Now, in the bathroom, she encounters the killer. But she was just with with Stu and Tatum, who walked away in the opposite direction. Then immediately was with Billy in full view of the bathroom. And then went into the bathroom and encountered another killer. This is where the third killer theory came from. Because the only way that makes sense is if there's a third killer. Unless it is just another asshole playing a prank. No, it is a third killer because in the sequel, the third killer shows up. There was a third. Well, I guess Jackie from Roseanne. Yeah, Billy's mom. Yes. She's the third killer. Oh, holy shit. But didn't the... 
Why were her feet so big? Mm, Mr. Echo. <laughs> okay. Good call, maybe. Yeah. No, but I actually read that theory before Scream 2 ever came out. Like this in 97, there were, I was in online forums reading the conspiracy theory because the whole rest of the movie leading up to the party, there's that killer stalking Sid throughout the town. And it doesn't make sense with all the intercutting we do when Billy and Stewart at the video store, and then we go to Sydney at the at the supermarket, and there's the killer. Doesn't make sense unless there's a third killer. But then Billy's mom shows up in the sequel as the as the killer who orchestrated the whole thing. Now I need to watch the second one again. Fuck. Yeah. I really don't want to watch the third one again, but maybe I'll give it uh, another, no. give it another go through. To- I don't. I don't think I'm ever going to do the third <laughs> one again. I think I am just going to skip the third one for the that, rest of my life. That is a shitless contender. Yeah, we could rip really that one is. apart. It really is. That was so bad. I was so bummed out yeah. by how bad it was. Like I'm like Jay and Silent Bob. Ha, huh, that was fun. No, okay, that the fun's over. I apologize to the listeners if that spoils Scream Two for you <laughs> because maybe you watched Scream One in preparation for this but didn't realize we were going to spoil Scream Two. So I apologize. But you know what? Uh, it's really fun to watch Scream 2 and go, hey, those guys are all famous now. Because <laughs> Timothy Oliphant is there. Yeah. And I'm and like, he, what the fuck? No one had heard of him at that point. Like, that, I think that was his first major role. Girl Next Door hadn't come out. Oz hadn't come out. Oz, was he in Oz? No, he was in the Western He was one. in Justified. Justified. And Deadwood. Deadwood. That's the one. Okay. He was Hitman, Agent 47. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. I'm being very sarcastic. <laughs> I don't know if the audience can hear the sarcasm in your voice um, there, Andrew. So we... Uh, we covered the killer in the bathroom. We're just gonna we're just, we're just gonna oh, skip. Oh well, uh, we we did skip over Billy's whole. Well, I, I I mentioned it how he he's basically like you know about a year ago you stopped putting out and you know but your mom died a year ago and you know and you should just get over it. My mom left us and I'm fine. And she's like, yeah, your mom left. She didn't get <laughs> fucking murdered. Your mom moved upstate. <laughs> she's not sitting in a coffin. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty fucked up. And the awful thing is, is as much as. Billy is manipulating her, which he 100% is. That is 100% in keeping with how high school guys think about literally only themselves with regards to a woman's sexuality. Yeah, you should just... Guys are just like, why the fuck aren't you putting out? Your mom died a year ago. Get the fuck over it and hop on my dick. Now, if if her mom died of, like, cancer or something, maybe she can move on a little bit. But the trauma of seeing your mom potentially murder yeah i think that's gonna take a little bit so we get a little scene with dewey and gail and they just get a little flirty and and keeping in mind the the important thing to remember there is how trepidatious high school people high school girls in particular are about sex like an adult having sex with another person isn't that big a deal you're like like i was talking to my daughter about it and i was like yeah by the third date we're gonna either sleep together or it's not going anywhere and she's like third date you haven't even been going out for like six months yet i'm like six months jesus christ who can go six months without fucking the person you're dating who can go a couple hours but then at the same time you know when i was when i was in high school it seemed perfectly normal school's canceled so there's gonna be a party gotta be a party and Stu is like i don't know what you said to them but thank you (laughs) (laughs) to sydney Gail and Dewey were talking about, oh, Gail, Gail asked Dewey, like, oh, do we have a serial killer in our midst? Dewey says that you have to knock off a couple more to get that title. And so far, he's only killed two people, by the way. Another person does not die until 50 some minutes into the movie. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's really, it's really just Drew Barrymore and her boyfriend. Yep. And I think the technically to be a serial killer, you have to kill at least three people. And there has to be a, 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 a cool down, apparently. And, uh, and then Gail says, well, we can hope, can't we? And... Arquette gets this look on his face like, what the fuck? Like, you're super hot and I don't want to say what the fuck, but what the fuck? 
and now we get the principal's being kind of weird he's trying on the mask and stuff and he hears some noises he ducks out of the office and he's looking down the hall and he's like you little shits or whatever and then the janitor's like the fuck did you just say <laughs> and it's Wes Craven and his name is Fred and he's wearing and the he's wearing sweater the shirt. and the hat. I think Wes Craven might actually have a sense of humor. What do you think? Speaking of which, uh, a buddy of mine, was it a thing in Colorado? It was an auction for some kind of charity event of all this horror memorabilia. And the hat was there. Cool. The hat Wes Craven wore in that scene. That's awesome. Because Wes Craven, he's died. He did, right? He he died. He, he did, right? Yes. He, he, he's dead. Fucking A. They're all dead. George Romero and Wes Craven. Well, I mean, they're, they weren't young bucks. I know. <laughs> Toby Hooper. All our horror icons are dead. Um, That's why we've got new ones. We Jordan got, Peele. Don't Aster don't fuck this up. All right. And Jordan Peele. You, and you can say Robert Eggers for like three seconds until you realize he stopped making horror movies after that first one. Well, no, he did. He did the Lighthouse. I the look Lighthouse at that as, is a horror. It's movie. a horror movie, but it's more fantasy. But now he's doing The Northman, which looks awesome, by the way. I, honestly, I don't need to know. I if Robert Eggers is directing it, I will at least give it a watch it's like a viking thing it looks kind of cool no, i'm cool with that and it has all of it has all he the actors loves his fucking history man he really does he is such a history which I, i'm good with. it looks cool oh, i saw yeah. the trailer on accident and it looks pretty cool like you can tell the witch he was obsessed with like puritan history and anya taylor joy is back and then the lighthouse he was obsessed with lighthouse <laughs> lighthouse attendance in you know 1875 or whatever on the coast of Maine. Yeah, he's so good. I hope he is another guy. I'm like, don't fuck up, Ari Aster. Don't fuck up. You, you're, you're on a, you're on a good, you got a good thing going. <laughs> Jordan Peele, don't fuck up. Oh, Jordan Peele, please don't fuck up. Oh my god, that could go either way. Just given his history, like the comedy thing. Yeah, and I'm you just never like, know. Eh, who knows? I'm gonna be there for nope. Yep, Same. I'm gonna be there. <laughs> um anyways uh so the principal's gonna get killed and it's about 53 minutes into the movie and god damn first death since yeah. drew barrymore wow and as he's getting stabbed there's a cool shot of ghost face in his retina like in his eye yeah that's a like good that. shot tatum and sydney are talking about sydney's mom and how like yeah you know i there there's there there was talk about her sleeping around and fucking a bunch of guys and it, maybe she was fucking cotton weary who was the guy she fingered for murdering her mom maybe she was and she's like no he raped he raped her i don't know if that's actually the conversation they're having right this second but well she yeah she says he never would my mother never oh, yeah, would have laid yeah. a hand on him never would have laid a finger on him and um, then tatum's like uh this isn't the first time i've heard that your mom was a giant hoe bag yeah and then she makes some comment i can't remember she's the, like this is not the time for this conversation tatum what the fuck i can't remember the exact comment but she's like what is this some west carpenter flick given the fact that she like knows shit why did she say that unless west carpenter I don't know. She kind of she kind of demonstrates a little bit of knowledge earlier in the movie, doesn't she? No, I don't not think a lot. So. But okay, maybe I'm just making it up. I think you're. I think you're thinking of. I think you're mistaking Drew Barrymore's knowledge of horror maybe. movies for Tatum's because they're both cute blondes. Either way, let's cut to my favorite set piece in the entire movie: the video store. <laughs> which isn't a set at all i'm pretty sure that's just a video store yeah they just went in and shot in a video <laughs> store for a day and that's where randy works and everybody's fucking there hey man in the 90s video stores were booked man on a night when everybody had the day off yeah well that's true and the horror section is being fucking raided by everybody because <laughs> every, they all got murder on the brain yep. and then one girl walks up to randy and goes hey what's that one movie 
with uh, E.T.'s the mom. The werewolf movie with E.T.'s yeah. mom. It's like that's the howling the horror howling. section right All there. Right. This is a fun scene, actually, and this is where you realize Matthew Lillard's not just a shitty actor because there's just one thing that he does. He's talking to Randy, and they're he's kind of fucking with him. And he, Randy's like, do you think Sydney would go out with me now that like Billy's out of the out of the picture? He's like, <laughs> you know, doing his... <laughs> then he stops, and he's like, no, no I don't. I don't at all. <laughs> Matthew Lillard really does own this scene in a big way. Like Skeet Ulrich is trying, but Matthew Lillard is succeeding. This scene is basically them going, Randy, I think you're the killer. And Randy's like, no, it's got to be Billy. The dad's a red herring because that's how this would work. Just in the real world. And then he bumps into Billy and Billy's like, the fuck, you think I'm the killer? And yeah. I do. You're very, you're creepy. You're the killer. There's no way you're not. Um, and then he's like, well, what's my motive? And then Randy says, it's the millennium. Motives are incidental. No, no, no. That's after he says, uh, look, I'll be the first to admit. If oh, this yep. was a horror movie, I would be the prime suspect. <laughs> he says, well, what's your motive, Randy? He oh, says, right, right, right. It's the millennium. Motives are incidental. <laughs> I like Randy. He's kind of funny. That's a great line. <laughs> And it's true. There were entire movies at that time based around that. That motives were yeah, incidental. Yeah, no, uh, the motive was the millennium. Um, So now it's curfew. Everybody's closing up except for a couple stores, apparently. This is where the Tori spelling joke comes in where she, somebody's like, well, who, who do you think <laughs> yeah. would play you in a movie, Sydney?" And she's like, I hesitate to, th- I, I, whatever, she doesn't want to think about I it. I shudder to think. Oh, yeah. To- probably Tori spelling, which was a teen star person in like 90210 or yep. something because nev campbell was on party of five and she's very good friends with nev campbell okay. nev campbell said she was she didn't want to do that line she kept trying to sub to substitute <laughs> lines and oh and, and they were like look just do the line one time to see how it goes and so she kind of threw it away and you can kind of see that in it that she's <laughs> trying to make this not the take they use and they That's fucking used it because it's it's the best line like what some of the other options were like babe the pig or something like that. it's like i'm sorry it's just not as good a line she should have said nev campbell <laughs> Jeez. you know that chick from the craft and they they would copy this formula sort of in a year or two with jennifer love hewitt who i think is also on party of five because kevin williamson also wrote i know what you did oh did last he summer yeah do you know that was based on a book i did not know that yeah isn't that weird really was it like a was it like one of those like youth like like rl stein style it might have been i think the story changed quite a bit like they used the title and the basic setup and then everything else just kind of yeah that would make sense yeah yeah. because the pop culture references in that movie were not as crisp as this one (laughs) no i that that movie's a dumb classic too like i like it but yeah it's it's totally watchable but it's not on a par with this this one actually still holds up that one is like yeah this is a piece of shit let's watch it let's watch that one and then watch scream let's watch the shitty one first the good one <laughs> jennifer love hewitt's hot like that's you know that's something i mean everybody's pretty hot in that movie who's in that freddie prince freddie jr prince jr ryan Phillippe, sarah michelle geller yes yeah, sarah michelle geller everybody's good looking you have then, good looking people getting killed by a guy with a fish hook okay i'm fine with that <laughs> so now tatum and sid are shopping so that's why not everything's closed yet there's like there's like a grocery store and this is where i asked but you're right she's getting stalked by Ghostface, and i'm just like how the fuck does this ghost face motherfucker just get away with hanging out in stores, skulking around aisles and shit? And we learn that the phone records that they pulled from from the calls made to Casey's house and Sydney's house and Tatum's house were all made by her dad's phone. And they're like, can we? Cl- couldn't they clone the phone number? No. 
Of no, course they the couldn't. sheriff doesn't. The sheriff doesn't answer the question. He says it gets worse. Oh yeah, and then he moves on. Tomorrow is the anniversary of his wife's death. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's a nice dodge. And then they immediately set up the sheriff as a red herring as well by showing his boots that matched the killers from the bathroom. And so it, you don't notice that stuff anymore. And <laughs> but <laughs> but I remember it from the my very first watching. So now it's party time. Gail shows up, of course. She and Dewey go into the party. Everybody's there at this point. Her and Dewey meet up at, at the van. He kind of walks up to her and goes like the fuck you doing here only not really because he's dewey and he wants to fuck her real bad oh dude courtney cox at in the mid 90s it didn't get a lot hotter than that i hated friends but it, i couldn't deny her i my... still fucking hate friends oh i'm right there with you i can't stand <laughs> friends jennifer aniston always she was always the one man nope never had a thing for jennifer aniston i'm a courtney cox man terry hatcher yes if we're going if fuck we're going like yes. the courtney cox versus terry hatcher route yeah, okay all right wins. i'm not gonna argue with that yes if if it's between the two of them terry hatcher obvious absolutely <laughs> gail she wants to plant a camera to catch whatever happens because she knows that there's a killer coming she knows something's gonna happen i can't tell whether she's actually into dewey at this point or whether she's just playing it and then she comes around like she, yeah that's i was yeah they do end up getting together in the later movies, well, even right? At, even by the end of this movie, like, she ends up kissing him. Mm-hmm. But, like, I can't tell if she was initially insincere and then... Realized like, that he was a cool dude. Yeah, and, realized, yeah. like, that he's really sweet. Or if she actually liked him right off the bat, but she just comes off as insincere because that's her character. That's a good question. I thought that, too, and I'm, I couldn't quite tell. But I'm like, this is where they met, and I know what happens. And they fall in love for, like, until 2013, they got divorced. I thought it was before that me too i looked it up because i was curious did scream 4 come out by then 2012 i I think i remember i think i remember courtney cox saying that in scream we met in scream 2 we were dating in scream 3 we were married and in scream 4 we were getting divorced 2011 i'm glad he's he seems to be doing okay now though yeah i'm glad he turned i'm glad he stopped wrestling because holy fuck yeah that was that was a great (laughs) documentary but it was scary yeah i'm glad he did it but I'm also glad he's done. He needs to chill the fuck out. Um, for, him, for himself, you know, so yeah. like he, he could have that closure on it. This party looks like your typical high school party, right? And Very. Typ- typical movie high school party. Very, yeah. No dancing, though. Nobody's dancing. And it's a small party, too. Mm-hmm. Like, And Stu even says that. Well, it'll just be an intimate gathering. With Unless Tatum friends. opens her big fat fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like, they really don't have, like, too many people there for a high school movie party. They're watching watching a, a horror movie. They're talking about it. Nev Campbell picks up the movies. She's like, prom night? fucking halloween uh, the, the fog why is, is jamie lee curtis in all of these movies randy's like because she's the scream queen is that this? was the first place i ever heard that term so eventually tatum gets told to go into the garage to get Stu another beer but by stew by stew is it Stu or is it billy i think billy's the killer in the garage Me but too. i think Stu knows he's there and that's why he says it randy's right about most things in this movie <laughs> like but he he has that great line there's always some bullshit reason to kill your girlfriend. Oh, fuck. And so then Stu kills his girlfriend. <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that. I feel like Stu took Randy's advice on that one. It was like, you know what? Yeah, let's kill Tatum. He's got to throw the scent off Cause, himself. Because Stu just loves... I think Stu just loves the killing. Billy's trying to accomplish something, but <laughs> Stu is just fucking psychotic. Uh, so she does go to the garage, and this is where her nipples are very prominently featured. The only time in the movie they are prominently featured, really. And the funny thing is, she's very clearly wearing a bra. Yeah. You can see the straps, like, because that shirt is so fucking tight. So, Tic Tacs or Ice Cubes? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm thinking maybe they just had they just had fake nipples 
built into the bra oh, because they shit. are so intentional. So this is the most ridiculous kill in the movie. Like I said, it has that Friday the 13th stock sort of, but it's definitely the weird. If if Jason can do it, let's have him do something stupid. This is this is a full-on slasher movie. This kill. doesn't make any goddamn sense. Whose fucking garage door is that strong to crush old, their head? Old garage doors. With an automatic garage door opener? Old ones. Really? Like right. ones that were installed in 1982. Oh, and this is the oft-parodied scene from Scary Movie. You want to play Psycho Killer? Yeah. With Shannon Elizabeth instead, though? Yep. I remember <laughs> the scene. I like what Donald Glover said in Community. He says, there was a time for subtlety. That was before Scary Movie. <laughs> she tries to climb through the fucking doggy door, or kitty door, I guess, because there's no dog, but there is a cat. And she gets stuck, and the dude turns on the fucking garage door, opener, and then it raises up and drags her along and then crushes her head on the thing. It's a really good kill. It's, it's ridiculous, nice. but it's, it's a really good Does not kill. match the rest of the kills, which are all pretty legit and scary. This one's just dumb and i like it oh but she also made she also makes a nice spit on your grave reference and she's like what is it i spit on your garage so we we decided that billy was the killer uh there's a 30 second delay on the camera that they put in the party which will come into play here in a minute half the people leave the party at this point as they do billy shows up so he can quote unquote talk to sydney and Stu's like yeah why don't you guys go up and use my parents bedroom there's nobody up there you guys can talk or whatever and Thanks. Stu. It's called subtlety dipshit <laughs> or something. Billy, like that. Billy, it's called subtlety oh, Bill, dipshit. Billy, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then Randy, as they walk away, Randy walks up and goes, oh, fuck, there goes my chance with Sid. And then another what's Leatherface doing here. Oh, yeah, what's Leatherface doing here? And then there's another good line from Stu. And he's like, as if that's all I'm going to say. As if. And then Randy's like, okay, Alicia. I don't get that one. Clueless. Alicia Silverstone. Oh, yeah, because she says as if so much in that movie. Okay, all right. Now I finally get it for literally the first time in over two decades. I kid you not. Even last night I was like, what the fuck is that a reference to? My initial thought was Alicia Silverstone, but I wasn't making the connection to Clueless. I just wasn't. And I'd seen Clueless. I've seen Clueless dozens of times. I used to own it on VHS. I've never seen it, actually. I've never actually sat down to watch Clueless. Jesus Christ. And you had to be the one to clue me into this. Yeah. Oh, God. I am hopeless. <laughs> You're clueless. Very. <laughs> um, so they're in the bedroom. And this is where Sid loses her virginity. So by all by all accounts, she should be fucking dead but this is kevin williamson subverting the expectation <laughs> yes they do have a heart to heart about why she's been acting this way for so long and she basically apologizes and says let's make porn that's not exactly what she says but <laughs> you know billy is in master manipulator mode in yeah and one. he also says this is another telltale sign that's definitely him he says it's it's all a movie you just don't get to pick your genre he's fucking in orbit right now he's <laughs> yeah yeah he is yeah so the leftover the leftover people are down in the living room watching Halloween and one of my favorite lines in this movie comes up so when do we get to see Jamie Lee's tits and he's like not until trading places in 83 she never showed her tits until she went legits <laughs> I love that line it's funny Randy um, thank you now now we the rules it's probably one of the most famous scenes in the whole movie we all know the rules Likely the most famous yes. scene in the entire movie yeah. we all know the rules right no drugs or alcohol no sex and never say you'll be and right never back. say I'll be right back so what does Stu do I'll be right back uh, but you know you want to you want a beer 
It's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll be right back. And then it's like, oh, you're going to die. I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife. Dewey and Gale end up going for a walk because there was a report of a car parked in the bushes somewhere down the road. And then Randy answers a phone call and you think it's going to be the killer, but it's not. It's somebody saying that the principal has been murdered and strung up on the goalposts on the football field. And then the cast who is not the main cast, they're all like, let's fucking go before they take him down. I'm like, ugh. This is 100% a distraction to clear out the party. Yes. That is the only reason the principal was killed. Uh, yes. The writer's like, oh, fuck. How do we get these assholes out of here? We don't want to kill everybody. <laughs> now it's just the leftover main cast is what I wrote. So Gail and Dewey end up, they fall down a hill and then kiss. The kids leaving the party are all oh, drunk that's right. Thank and you. driving fast <laughs> and drive straight at them. And so Dewey grabs Gale and he launches them both into the woods where they roll on top of each other and then they kiss and then she looks left and she's like is that what you've been looking looking for and he goes all my life <laughs> looking she, at her yeah looking at her and then she's like no over there dipshit she doesn't say that but no she just like pushes his head in that direction and it turns out it's Sydney's dad's car of course it is and Dewey is freaking the fuck out. So after Billy and Sid are done fucking, she goes, who did you call? And he's like, what, what do you mean? Uh, when you were at the police station, who did you call? And he's like, I called my dad. And she's like, no, the sheriff called your dad. And he's like, so did I, but I didn't get an answer. And he's like, you don't mean to tell me that you still don't believe. I'm like, dude, she just fucked you. Of course she doesn't think you're the killer right now. Like, are you stupid? Yeah, this is this is Billy trying too hard. But we're we're about to pretend like we don't think he's the killer for like three seconds because Ghostface pops up out of nowhere and fucking stabs him and he goes down. This one hundred percent worked on me. I was completely seriously at that point. I was like, all right, well, Billy can't be the killer because he's dead. Uh, yeah, he he drops. Sid runs. Well, no, she well yeah, she runs and then she ends as she ends as she ends up she ends up in the attic and she Halloween four style. Yes, she climbs out of the attic window and then Stu grabs her arm and she fights him off and then launches backward off the roof and lands on the boat. Yeah, I said she falls onto a boat fucking rich people, <laughs> which saved her ass at this point. And then she rolls off it and sees her good friend Tatum all squished in the fucking garage door. Randy's still watching Halloween by himself. Ghostface is behind him and he's doing the thing. He's like, turn around, Jamie, turn around. He's right behind you. <laughs> While the killer's walking up behind him. It's it's pretty masterful. Um, Sydney screams, uh, Randy perks up, Ghostface runs away. This is also one where a third killer makes sense. Because mm-hmm. the killer was just up in the attic. It doesn't make sense, having seen her go out onto the boat, that the killer would then just meander down and stalk Randy. Logically, the killer would have been going after her. Maybe. Do you think they wanted they wanted to save her for last, though? Possibly. I mean, it's, it, it is entirely possible that that was the killer's intention, was to just incapacitate her a little bit but not necessarily kill her. I'm not sure that Billy would let Stu kill her. Yeah, that's a good point. Billy definitely wants to be the one to wield the knife on this one. I mean, I would be. Whoa. <laughs> um, so, so Sid makes okay, it. Okay, <laughs> we think maybe need to talk to your therapist about some things. There. She, she makes her way to the news van. She opens the door, scares the shit out of the fucking the camera guy because he's still watching Randy being, being like stalked by Ghostface. Well, no... It, Ghostface hasn't stepped into the scene yet for Randy. Oh, that's right. Ian, because he's on the delay. It's on remember? the 30 second delay. And then he's like, oh, it's it's fine. Look. And then he's like, oh, fuck. 
Uh, then he sees Ghostface, but then he's like, then he looks at the door. The <laughs> no, no, no. Randy's going, turn around, Jamie, and he's like, turn around, kid, turn around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, so then once he sees that, he looks, and the fucking front door is open, which it was closed before, apparently. And he turns and he looks back at the monitor. He's like, oh shit, thirty second delay. And then he turns back. There's Ghostface. And he cuts his throat, which is also a very Friday the Thirteenth kind of quick kill. Yes, but yes, that still is very Friday the Thirteenth. Brutal. Yikes. More plausible than yeah. than the garage door opener one. Sid gets stabbed in the shoulder in this little scuffle yep. also, but she still gets away. Dewey and Gail get back. Dewey looks for Sid's dad all over the house, and of course he's not there, quote unquote. Well, he's not easily findable yeah. anyway. They've stashed him, probably in the basement. <laughs> Gale in the van. She finds fucking the blood of this dude everywhere, obviously. But not him. Yeah, not him. Not yet. Well, Randy shows up as she gets in the driver's seat, scares the shit out of her, and she kind of beats the shit out of him with, like, the phone or something. <laughs> yeah, she bashes him <laughs> in the face with this phone, like, three times, lays him out, and then she starts the engine up, and the headlights come on, and the windshield is like... There is just blood pouring down this fucking thing. The thing is, it doesn't look like blood initially. It looks like it might be like grease or something oh, like that. Yeah. And then she hits the wipers and it's very obviously blood. And then... It's a nice effect. She uh, she starts driving. The dead camera guy falls off the roof onto yeah. the windshield, by the way. And and then she's driving straight at Sydney. Or no, she's driving down the road, flooring it. Sydney jumps out into the street and she tries to avoid hitting her ends up running off the road and running into a tree get back to the house dewey has a knife in his back dewey opens the door and he steps out he's like sid and everything looks okay for a second she's like relieved and then he kind of staggers forward and falls and we see the knife in his back that's a really good shot it's like mr feeney in that in that boy meets world episode the scream one i haven't seen the scream one but we have talked about it before with jennifer love pfefferman jennifer love pfefferman that literally <laughs> happens they see mr feeney's like oh you're clever because they 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 acted like mr feeney was the killer but he had scissors in his back is this all taking place in Corey's head or something it has to be right she watched the episode it's in sean's head it's a long story okay it's it's like the fourth or fifth season or something has to do with Corey and topanga it's very important so then ghostface runs after sydney but she's in the cop car but ghostface has the keys because he fucking took him off of dewey's body i imagine dewey's not body but you know his body dewey looks dead yeah he looks dead (laughs) so she locks all the doors as you would but she forgot about the hatchback if i had a dollar for every time am i right i was about to say i don't think i've ever owned a hatchback but i fucking own a hatchback right now now. (laughs) what the fuck am i talking about so she's running in in the house and she grabs dewey's gun just before she goes in the house and then Stu and randy come up and she has the gun pointed at him and randy's like it's Stu. Stu's killing people and Stu's like no it's fucking randy and she's like you know what fuck you both i'm going inside (laughs) (laughs) good choice good choice that's a crazy that's that's a scene where she justifies being the final girl oh yeah for five movies because she is so ready to make the smart call which is fucking leave them to it do not try and noodle this out billy's still alive and he just kind of fucking comes like oh sydney he tumbles down the stairs knowing what happens in like two seconds i'm like geez he's really he's really fucking going after it he's a good stunt guy this billy yeah Billy's Billy's committed to this role. Yeah, he really he fell down the stairs. Like, damn, I wouldn't be able to do that. No. Oh God, no. Oh, <laughs> um, that would ruin me for a month at least. Yeah. So she has the gun. She she hands it to Billy as after he gets up, and he's like, "It's fine. It's okay." He opens the door. In comes Randy. And then Randy comes in, and he's like, "Stu's gone mad." And then Billy closes the door, turns around, all sinister like, and says, "I think we all go a little mad sometimes." Then shoots Randy oh. and goes, "Norman Bates." Psycho, Anthony Anthony Perkins. Perkins. I always make that exact same 
mistake. When I was watching it this time, I was I was quoting in my head Norman Bates, psycho, but he says Anthony, Anthony Perkins. Perkins. Like, God fuck. damn it, I always fuck that up. <laughs> and I wrote down, he's the killer, duh. And so is Stu, <laughs> also duh. <laughs> when it turned out he was the killer, I was like, wait, what? Well, then, and then, so like my brain didn't connect that obviously Stu is the other killer. Right. So she until runs. Stu appears. She runs into the kitchen to try to get away and she There's bumps into Stu. And he has, he has the voice changer and he's like, hi, Sydney. Ah, it's, it's pretty creepy. This would be scary as balls. Like this is, especially people you know and you just oh, fuck yeah. this guy and this guy's been to your house and you've These hung are out your with him. friends. This is yeah. your best friend's boyfriend. This is your boyfriend. Like, Jesus. Uh, it's no wonder that she's single for the entire rest of the franchise, if I remember correctly, isn't she? Uh, yeah, I think there's, like, love interests, but they all get murdered. Yeah, nothing pans out. <laughs> Cotton Weary. Oh she, oh, she has difficulty with trust issues? What are the odds? Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, Cotton Weary, I think, tries to not, not really make them a couple, but he tries to, like, work together with her to make some money off of is this that in, stuff is that in three, three i Ugh. think yeah i've tried so hard to forget that movie it's not great this is the tense final confrontation here where billy and stewart standing like on either side of <laughs> fucking of sid and she's freaking out naturally this is literally the only scene of the movie where i don't think nymph campbell is pretty Something about the way the way the blood is on her. Is That's really very fucked up. Not she's traumatized right now. <laughs> I know it is so fucking egocentric of me to have that thought. Like I am an a- I am totally an asshole for even thinking that. And yet at the same time, I think it every time I watch him. Like. Yeah, that really doesn't comp that that blood pattern really doesn't complement her features. So this is where we get the actual motive because he's like, well, does doesn't he say something like, I don't really have a motive. It's much scarier when you don't have a motive. Yeah, but then he but then he reveals his motive, his actual and, motive. And if you watch the cut to Stu, this is the first Stu is hearing of this. Yes, Stu thought this was all fun. Yeah, I think Stu thought Billy was on the same page as him, where they were just they they were just psychopaths yeah so know. i wasn't just imagining that 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 cut actually happened okay no that's yeah that is a hundred percent yeah so as it turns out sid's mom was fucking billy's dad which caused them to get a divorce which caused billy's mom to leave him which was fucked up on her part also not sid's part or her mom it's fucked up on billy's mom's part you leave your entire family how about you just get divorced and stick around for your child maybe well and then she fucking comes back and puts all this psychopathic shit into his head like, what a psycho. Uh, Mom clearly had problems. She was Aunt Jackie, of course. She had to hang out with Roseanne all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After the motive gets revealed by Billy, we don't get Stu, Stu's motive yet. Stu's like, oh, you're going to love this. This is great. This is, this is, and he's, he's, he's just happier than pig and shit right now. He's very excited. <laughs> Stu is so excited. <laughs> they bring her dad out, who's been tied up in a fucking who knows where. For who knows how long? Oh, it is Stu's house, so he was probably there, and his yeah, parents were out of town. Probably. Yep. I keep forgetting. I feel like I feel like it's supposed to be Sid's house. I would say if it wasn't for the fact that he has that line where he says, "My parents are going to be so mad at me," I would wonder if Stu didn't kill his parents. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't kill his parents. He loves his parents. Mm, I don't know if Stu really loves anybody. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Stu is very pure, but not good (laughs) so now they're setting up also that they want to be the last two surviving victims here so they gotta plan the sequel they gotta plan these days you gotta have a sequel uh yeah she's like you're you know you're not gonna get away with this and he's like oh fuck yeah we are because we're gonna we're gonna be the only two survivors all that shit (laughs) billy stabs Stu. naturally sid's like the fuck the fuck's going on and you know, Stu's like, ow, that really hurt. What the fuck? <laughs> Billy hands Stu the knife and he 
He goes, all right, stay to the side, not too deep. And Stu's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he fucking stabs him. <laughs> Just, yeah, it being stabbed sounds awful. So in the midst of their stabbing, Sid goes, you guys are psychos. And Billy has another great line here where he says, oh, you, you guys no, are psychos. You've seen too you've many seen movies. too many goddamn horror movies or something like that. Yeah. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. That's a great line. I'm afraid, though, that that's true, kind of. Oh, I'm sure it is. But, you know, like the the thing about it is, is like a person who's a person who's going down that route. It's it's like it's like with anything, you know, like any kind of art. They're probably going to end up doing it with or without it. They're just. Yeah. If, if a person's going to break that kind of societal taboo that is that strong, like murder, then they were going to break it. It's not like a it's not like a piece of art is going to push them over the line on that. I do also like that in this universe, movies are like true fact because they're like, oh, watch a couple movies, take a few notes notes and i'm like movies aren't real <laughs> none of this shit would ever work <laughs> no it's too it's too far it's too far-fetched but yeah this is this is very clearly a heightened reality where that kind of stuff can because it's a slasher movie it is it's a slasher movie universe and it's a, it's a good slasher movie there's a reason there's fucking five of these now they can't all be good but apparently they're all mostly okay yeah like we can just pretend three didn't happen <laughs> You can. You, I feel like you can make the jump from two to four, and it still works just fine. Um, I'm gonna try it anyway. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as they as soon as they release those those four Ks of two and four, I'm gonna pick them up and be like, all right, let's watch. Let's watch two. Then let's go straight to four. Let's see if it makes sense. I'm glad that four was good. I heard it was good, and now I need to actually sit down and watch it. It is good. So Stu set the gun down earlier before he went to. Oh, he had the gun in his hand, by the way, because Billy handed it to him. He set the gun down on the counter, put this very, very obviously turn the safety on for the next gag that's going to happen. Like you see him, he his hand like moves slowly. <laughs> oh, it's like in, it's not in slow motion, but I'm being I'm exaggerating. But you can see very his whole so. hand like open up and flip that safety switch. <laughs> So he goes to get the gun and he's like, Billy, oh shit, there's a fucking, we got a problem here, he says. Houston, we got a problem here. <laughs> the gun is Because this gone. is like, what, three years after Apollo 13? But it turns out Gail has the gun, but she can't use it because she's just a woman who knows nothing. I'm just kidding. She probably doesn't have a lot of gun training being <laughs> yeah. a fucking reporter. Yeah. And she tries to shoot Billy and he's like, yeah, there's one thing I know that you don't. Uh, works better with the safety off. And then he kicks her and fucking she falls onto Dewey unconscious. I'm like, wow, you're kind of weak. How did that knock you out? But Well, whatever. and then he's and then he's going to shoot her. But Stu distracts him because Sydney, Sydney has poofed out. Out, of the, out of the room with her dad. And then the phone rings and this is where Sydney starts to be a little bit more badass. Sydney <laughs> channeling a little uh, later Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, it's, oh, it's good stuff. And then it, it she, she's talking to Billy first and he's like, you fucking bitch. Ah. He's freaking out. He's going to go look for her. He's like, talk to her. He hands the phone to Stu and she's like, Stu, so what's your motive? And he's like, I'm really <laughs> sensitive to peer pressure. <laughs> It's like peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. <laughs> That's a good line. And then Billy grabs the phone from him real quick. He's like, where are you, you fucking bitch? I'm going to find you. And then he throws the phone back at Matthew Lillard. And I think this was improv. I don't think this was supposed to happen. Yeah. And he's like, you hit me with the phone, you dick. <laughs> I always liked that line. It was really funny. Oh, and, and he delivers it so perfectly, too. Because like I think he really threw it at yeah, him. And his enunciation is time. Oh, it's, Matthew Lillard is, is on top of his game here. Well, not tippy top, but... Three years from now, he will be in one of my favorite movies ever. So. He's on top of this movie, I'll say that. As Billy is fucking searching for her, he kind of walks down this little hallway, and she fucking pops out, just like he would. 
Yep. With the fucking umbrella and stabs him. Ooh, and that had to hurt because that blunt tip on the umbrella. Oof. Oof. But she hit him right in that soft spot in the shoulder, like right between the rib cage and the and the shoulder, and yeah. he just oh, it punched right Very in. Nice. Oh, <laughs> that shit looked painful. And we're coming up on a good kill here too. Uh, so Stu shows up and start. They start her and Sid's him and Sid. They start kind of fighting and they get into a tussle. Let's say she fucking hits him in the head with a with a planter. Well, they go over the couch. Oh, over the, the couch. They're room. all over the fucking place. Yeah, yeah. They, like they they go from room to room with it. It's it's a good it's a good scuffle. And then, uh, yeah, she clocks him with that vase, and he, he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. She, what does she say? She she gives him a line before she drops the TV on his head. I don't remember. Do you watch too much TV? No, it's not It's it's not you're, a Schwarzenegger one. You're line. on Channel 5, bitch. I think it was something about how, like, because he, he had just said that line, I always had a thing for you, Sid. And I think it was a response to that, like, not a chance. Something like yeah. that. I, I I don't remember what she said. It wasn't a. It wasn't an action movie. Line, <laughs> no. I'll say that. If you kids are watching this now, what she does, she drops a TV on his face. Okay, so he's laying right under the TV. If you look at my TV over here, it's fucking huge. This wouldn't kill me. This would hurt a little. It weighs like twenty pounds. It's not that heavy. But a TV from nineteen ninety six. Those things were cinder blocks, man. <laughs> He is dead yeah, a lot. He wouldn't a, even. That's a sixty-pound TV. Yeah, he doesn't have time to get electrocuted like he does in the movie. <laughs> he, his head is flat. Those Absolutely, things, those things are big. Even your smaller TVs were heavy as fuck. Jesus. Yeah, because it's just this big solid brick of plastic and metal and shit. And glass, like there's so much glass in them. <laughs> oh my god! It's that. It, uh. It's this big fucking fishbowl of glass like tv started getting bigger and bigger and fatter and fatter and then all of a sudden they're like you know what let's thin this shit down a little bit yeah <laughs> same thing happened with cell phones you remember that oh, like yeah. cell phones got super super small and everybody's like oh that's so nice and then everybody's like it's not big enough we can't we, you know <laughs> it's that meme where 2008 once we, once we realized we could watch porn on yep. them then they got bigger <laughs> 2000 in 2008 they started getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> so that's a good kill that's another one of those iconic things that happens in the movie billy's not dead of course he's fucking not dead he, she stabbed him with an umbrella in the shoulder he is on top of her now though of course he fucking pops up and tackles her and then she shoves her finger in that umbrella a stab hole oh. <laughs> and he howls but you know what i actually thought this time which i had never thought before all he has to do is a little side twist and her finger is getting broken oh kind of goes back to how does he fucking focus with that with all that pain though so <laughs> but he like like he jerks back and then gail who has grabbed the gun again and who's woken up and grabbing the gun. Finally. Blasts him. And she's like, now we know how to work the safety, you son of a bitch, or something. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is fine. Well, I don't know about, I don't know if fine is the right word. Physically, they'll be fine. Randy's been stabbed. He, uh, yeah, he doesn't die until the second Dewey movie. got a knife in the back and that caused him actual spinal trauma. Oh, yeah, he's limping for the rest of the movies, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, shit, never mind. But he gets to, he gets to fuck Gail Weathers That's now. true, but, you know, his penis is probably desensitized from the spinal yeah. trauma. <laughs> So it's not as good as it could have been. So they're all kind of okay. Everything, Everything's good for the most part because the bad guys are down, right? Sid grabs <laughs> the gun from Gail and she walks over to Billy and just kind of looks at him for a second. And then Randy walks up to her and goes, be careful. This is the part in the movie where the killer comes back for one final scare. He makes a weird noise when he pops up. He yeah, goes, he goes, he goes <laughs> <laughs> and then she shoots him in the face and goes, not in my movie. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then we sign off with Gail doing a report. Not even doing the report, like blocking the camera work for the report. It all started with a scream over 911. I'm like, no, it fucking didn't. Yeah, I never like, actually called 911. What the like, fuck are you talking about? And when Sid called 911, it was 
via modem. Oh yeah, yeah. Casey never got around to it, did she? Yeah, yeah. So already Gail is is peddling bullshit. Well, I guess we didn't see the parents call nine one one. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess if they did, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a cutscene. Probably. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the credits roll on this fucking mid 90s classic that is very 90s but also super timeless like this is a good movie like i'm not gonna say it's time i mean it's a product of his time but it's as timeless as a product of the 90s is gonna get it's not like you couldn't show this to anybody and just say oh well yeah it's a movie from the 90s that's why there's differences still edge of your seat tension the entire time <laughs> i hate i i think this movie made me hate skeet Ulrich. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well the craft and this back to back is like <laughs> That dude's not going to recover anytime soon. And indeed, he did not. He did so much, though. He was never A-list, but he was fucking everywhere. But the thing is, is being cast, he went from the the side character to one of the leads in a major movie. And then he actually did get the lead in a few movies, but I don't think people could buy him as anything but the high school douchebag after that. You know what else he was on? Law and Order, because everybody's on Law and Order. Uh, you know, Nev Campbell's on it, too. Yeah, I'm sure she was. Uh, you know what else movie he was in? He's uncredited, but he played a thug in the Ninja Turtles in 1990. Really? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to have to look for him because it's fucking... All you needed was an excuse to watch Ninja Turtles again. That's one of my... F- I will... When we do this, when we do that movie, because we will inevitably get there, I will tell everybody that that is one of the best comic book movies ever made, and you guys can all fight me. Uh, what are your final thoughts on Scream, or have you already stated them to your satisfaction? I don't know. Scream is awesome. Go fucking watch it. There's a reason people still talk about this movie, and it's getting a 25th anniversary release and shit, and there's going to be a new movie coming out January 14th, which this will probably be out after that, but still, go see that fucking movie. Go I'm get, pretty, go I'm see pretty all excited. I'll definitely, I'll definitely be watching part five so what are your final thoughts my final thoughts are i would really like to see a good remastering of this because as i was watching it i kept thinking about the shit i heard from that guy in the arrow video remastering pod the podcast interview with the guy from arrow video who's you know involved in the mastering process he explained how a lot of the times when big studio movies are released in 4k they'll go in and the digital touch-up process is so automated that they'll remove a lot of fine detail accidentally. And I feel like that's what happened in the 4K for this. It looks good. It definitely looks better than it ever has, but I don't think it looks as good as it could. And I wouldn't know the difference. So Okay, so that was Scream. I think those are our final thoughts. Those are all of our thoughts. Maybe not all of them. We'll probably... Not even close to all of them. <laughs> I'm going to listen to this podcast and I'm going to be like, God damn it, I should have said that. Oh, why didn't I fucking say that? That's what I do every episode what we need is somebody to go back and listen to all of our episodes from one and tell us all the fucking mistakes that we've made so we can do an update episode we'll just we'll just do a corrections episode yeah because i know i can't what fucking episode was it? actually it would probably be a week of correction or a month of corrections episodes what kind of what episode was it where i'm like why didn't we say that why did i I said that wrong that was wrong that was also wrong dude that was wrong that (laughs) happens so often for both of us (laughs) it's absurd so i think that's it i think that does it for this week after like four hours of fucking recording how about some social media you can follow us on everything at the shark pod just like you could before in 2021 but now you actually have to because it's a new year new year new you new follows new likes yes we should be your new year's resolution you can do us you can definitely do me yeah Oh, and I'm sure a lot of you have a, have some Christmas money just laying around there. So you can go to patreon.com slash Hollywood and give us some of that money. As you know, we have 2021 the 13th. That is completed now. All yep. fucking, all 12 movies in the Friday the 13th slash Jason franchise. They're all there. They're well, all up. 
technically one of them is on the main feed the first one but the other 11 are right there and you have for you. immediate access to them yes the at any second level you sign up at any level a dollar two dollars five thousand dollars that one i like better so do that i will i will personally <laughs> write you an email thanking you and if you wish sending you a dick pic if you wish i if wish. you subscribe at the five thousand dollar level yes maybe one of these days the world will open back up again and it'll be fun and if you give us fifty thousand dollars we can fly you out here we can all go to silverwood together oh you know what i should also That'd mention awesome. if you subscribe at the five thousand dollar <laughs> level and you don't want the dick pic but i will do a cock rating or feet pics yeah i'm, I'm down with that too if you subscribe at the five thousand dollar level <laughs> i'm pretty amenable to your to your requests at that point want uh. a butthole pic <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 2020 evolving. 2022 is going to be the, a year in the asylum also at Patreon. So that's where we're or doing check all the, that out and come. We're doing the mockbusters that are the asylum's bread and butter where they take they take a movie that was mainstream and popular and they slap that similar title onto another crappier movie and we're going to talk about it and compare them and it's going to be a lot of fun. I am super excited, but then I'm usually excited about our our patreon episodes i don't know why except for the one in february (laughs) 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 other than that though uh we'll be back in a couple weeks again with groundhog day but until then stay jawsome